Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today we are studying the prophet Ezekiel, that is the Navi Yechezkel, <coughs> chapter 8. <coughs> um, for those that have been uh, listening along with us, we have just um, studied chapter 7, in which uh, we completed the, um, the uh, series of symbolic acts that God asked the Rabbi to do, that God asked the prophet to do in order to convey the message to the people that the, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem is imminent. We also, in the last chapter, we heard that Yechezkel, the Navi, started getting in his language to the people stronger and stronger, uh, trying to convince them that this is real by stating that this is not something I'm predicting in the decent fu- distant future, but rather the Kate's the time is now. The destruction is happening now. Um, and in chapter 8, we're going to hear a, more of a focus on what it is that um, brought the people to this point. What, what, what sins, what, what did they do wrong over the years that brought Jerusalem to the point where the destruction is about to occur? The... Uh, the way these prophecies are set up are very different. They're unique to the prophet Yechazkel, different than the prophecies of the other prophets. And most of the other prophets, what we have is God either telling him a message or maybe showing the prophet a symbol which conveys a message. And then the prophet goes and speaks to the people and tells them the message. In Yechazkel, we find that he, God employs methods, different types of methods in order to try to bring home the message and make it even more real. That's why we had the series of the symbolic acts with the uh, lying on his side, eating of the bread and building a, a model of the destruction, um, with cutting his hair and so on. But here we're going to employ a different image and it's not the last time we're going to have this type of image, an image of where God carries Yechezkel to a place and uh, to Jerusalem and shows him what's going on, shows him what's wrong. Another clip cases later, we'll find that God will bring, carry him to Jerusalem and show him the rebuilding of the temple. So this is a different type of method being employed. The point is trying to bring it down to earth so that people get it. So let's begin chapter 8. Um, it was in the sixth year uh, presumably, again, the sixth year from when, um, from the exile uh, of the king with which um, the, the prophet came to, was taken to Babylon, Bashishi, in the sixth month, this would be the month of Elul, the month uh, immediately preceding uh, Rosh Hashanah, Bachamisha Lachodesh, on the fifth day of the month of Elul. The reason why this date is significant is unclear. Um, but he states the date here. I was sitting in my house. And the elders of Judah were sitting in front of me. So we see that during this time period when Yechazkel, Ezekiel, has been um, talking to God, conveying his message to the people, doing all these symbolic acts, all of this occurred um, while he was in full communication with the elders, the leaders of the community. Um, Presumably, he was one of the Ziknei Yehuda, although he was also a prophet, and they weren't. So he had he had uh, he had open communi- lines of communication, and the elders were there to hear 
what he had to say, presumably also to convey it to the general people. And over there it fell upon me, Yad Adonai Elohim, the hands of the Lord God. So um, we've had this image before in chapter 1 and 2 where the hand of God was upon Yechezkel. And usually this was the symbol of God pushing him or giving him strength to do something that he either did not want to do or could not do or did not have the strength to do. The hand of God, the, in the, the image represents God taking him somewhere, pushing him somewhere, bringing him somewhere or to, a, where, where, or to do something which he could not have done on his own. Here we will see the hand of God as representing us, uh, the, the God taking him to a place, which we'll find out shortly where that is. Verse 2, and I saw, here again, we have that image, that image of seeing seeing God, so to speak. It's difficult words to say because obviously one human cannot see God. And Yechezkel is, is here, as in the first chapter when he described his image of God in, in the chariot, there's a lot of likes and as ifs and sort ofs and so, you know that kind of those kinds of words. Vihinedimus, there was the the appearance. In other words, so what he's saying is I didn't actually see Kimare Eish like the appearance of fire again. He says two words, meaning something that seemed as if it was something like that seemed that as if it was fire. So in other words, he did not know how to describe what he saw, but to in his human mind, the best thing he could come up with was something that had some kind of similar, which was something like some kind of similar to a fire. Mimare Masnav, it appeared as from the from the and and it was the image of of a man who from his uh, from his um, waist and down ulamata eish it also appeared like it was fire and above that <coughs> it was kimare it was as if it had the appearance of zohar which is a shine or a glow kein which seemed like hachashmala and we don't know what hachashmala actually means but we're going to assume that the chashmala means some sort of shine or glow or color or something like that. Ke'ain, which is like. There's like so many qualifiers in this sentence. We see that Yechezkel is trying to tell us that the image that he saw was as if God was coming to him and taking him somewhere. But the actual image that he saw is something that he could not describe and he perceived it as if it was this extremely... Uh, incredible sight of fire and shine and glow and he um, sent out the form of a hand meaning he understood that this is not actually a hand but what appeared to him in this vision was the form of a hand and he grabbed me by the hair on my head and he carried me um, he carried me um, with the, uh, the, this, this spirit carried me, this ruach, the spirit carried me between the land and the heaven. So he was basically flying in the, uh, uh, above the land, below the heaven. He brought me to Jerusalem. Elohim in images in, in, with, with godly visions. El Pesach, and that, that's, so this is, this is, he brought me in these visions. And where did he bring me to? He brought me El Pesach Shar HaPnimis to the doorway of the inner gate, Haponetzafona, the one that faces towards the north. Yechezkel, being a priest, having served in the temple himself prior to his exile, would have known very well the structure and the uh, building and the rooms 
of the Beit HaMikdash of the Temple, Asher Sham Moshav, that over there at this gate that was facing northward, there was Moshav Semel Hakina Hamakne. The, the, um, the, was the place of rest, the place where it was set, the Semel, which is a image, an idolatrous image, which is angering in a terrible way, which makes one angry. It's just this infuriating image that was sitting there in the middle of the temple. This term, Semel, is not a very common term, and it, it clues us in to, to a, 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 something that is really important for us to, to read as we're going to continue here. And as we've seen before, Yechezkel constantly refers back to the Torah um, and quotes uh, and uses imagery and words and language and psukim from the Torah in order to remind the people that what he's saying is not something new, it's not something they didn't know. This is something that they have been taught ever since the days of Moses, since the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. In this particular, these four visions that we're about to read are directly reflecting the words of the Torah in Devarim, in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And Yechezkel is deliberately drawing upon the images from Deuteronomy 4. So therefore, it's extremely um, important for us to go back to Deuteronomy 4. The first, the main psukim, the main verses I'm going to read is Deuteronomy 4, 15 through 19. But I'm going to just review quickly the preceding verses in that chapter so that you get the context. Essentially, it says, V'yata Yisrael, you Israel, Shema, listen, el to the laws, el mishpatim and to the and to the rules of justice, which I am teaching you, so that you should live and inherit and be successful in the land. So here God is saying, if you, you're going to the land, in order that you should keep the rules and the laws that I teach you, and and be just and, and, and set up a, a proper society, and that that's what it depends on. And it's, do not add, and then it says, Enechem haro'os, this is verse 3, your eyes are seeing that which God has seen, that which God has done and punished those that worship the Baal Pa'ar, that worship the, the idols of the Baal Pa'ar. Because everyone who did, God destroyed. So it's basically saying, however, but those that cling to God, you are alive. So the idea here is that this chapter is speaking of God said this already. He said, if you behave yourselves, if you do good, if you do right, you'll do well, you'll prosper. If you do not, if you worship idols and you go down the immoral and unethical paths that the idols lead you down, then you will not prosper and you will be punished. So then, let's look, read through verses uh, 15. I'm going to start there. You have to be very, very, very careful to watch and uh, uh, over your own souls. Take care of your souls. Be responsible. When you saw God on the Mount Sinai, when He gave you the Torah, you did not see any form or shape. This is very important, which is why Yechezkel was so careful to state that he didn't actually see any form or shape, but rather the form of God was something, it appeared to him as if there was something there, but this is, but he didn't actually see any actual form. When God talked to you on Sinai from within the fire. So again, here, this, the, our chapter started from Ezekiel seeing an image that resembled fire, and that was all he saw without a form. 
Then verse 16 is the clue in for this first image that he's seeing. Pentashchison, lest you act in a terrible way, va'asisem, and you should form pesel tumunas kol somel. The, a pesel, an image, the form of some torp type of semel. Timunat kol somel. Tavnit there's the form of a male or a female. Now let's go back to where we are just now. So this first vision that Ezekiel the Echeskel saw when God took him to the visit the temple in Jerusalem was Mosav Semel Again, that image of a semel, right? Which is again a very rare word. Um and there I saw the honor of the Lord of God, Kamare, and the same type of vision, Babika, that I saw in the valley. If we recall back in chapter two, God after God spoke to Yechezkel on the Har Kivar on the river Kivar, and he took him out to the valley to to give him his vision, and he's saying that he saw a very similar image to that. Vayomer Eli. And God said to me, Ben Adam, human being, raise your eyes towards the north. And I raised my eyes and I looked towards the north. And behold, from in the north, where from the gateway that led to the area where the altar was, I was able to see this um, image, this infuriating image, on the approach, as as one would walk in, I saw it right there. So, here is him seeing this image, which specifically God warned against in Deuteronomy. And then God said to me, Ben Adam, human being, Do you see what they're doing here? These awful, terrible, gigantic, tremendous abominations that the people of Israel are doing here. They're trying. They're pushing me away from my own, from my own temple. Within my own temple, they're doing exactly the terrible things that I told them they should not do, and they're causing me to leave my own temple. The old tashuv and you will see even more Things that are even worse than this. Things that are even more abominations than this. So this was the first vision God said, and God promised I'm about to see, show you something even worse. So Vayoveosi, this is verse seven, El Pesach he brought me to the opening of the Chatzer, of the courtyard, another doorway, Voere, and there I saw Vihine Chor Echod Bakir. There was a hole in the wall for um um uh, there. Vayomer a lion, God said to me, Ben Adam, human being, Chatorno Bakir, dig into that hole, into the wall, Vihtor Bakir, and I did dig into the wall and behold I found another door so this door is a little bit more hidden a little bit harder to see a little bit less out in the open but but if you just look a little harder you'll find it God said to me now that you found this doorway look inside and see what are the terrible abominations that they are doing here and I, and I went into that doorway and I saw Vihine and behold, Kol Tavnis Remes. Every form of, of, of the gross things, detestable, yucky things, Vehema, Shekets, and disgusting animals. These, are, these were forms meant for idol worship. And all of the 
all of the um, gilulim. We talked about what this would mean before items used in 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 um, in idol items used in idol worship that the house of Israel was using. el hakir saviv saviv. They were they were. Uh, 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 engraved upon the wall all around so there's a, like a room you had to kind of work to get into it but once you're in it within the temple compound the room full of all of these images that are idolatrous that are wrong were sitting right there now if we go back to Deuteronomy let's continue reading there because we see um, as the psukim go on we just read about the semel um, <laughs> this image here is 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 um is evoking again a next image in Devarim where it says Tavnis kol behemah the forms this is verse 17 the forms of all animals asher ba'aretz that are in the land Tavnis kol tzipar kanaf v'shetov b'shamayim the forms of birds that are fly in the sky and then it continues Tavnis kol romes ba'adama the forms of anything that creeps upon the ground the same words kol romes ba'adama um the same thing of called Tavnis Remes. It's, so he's clearly evoking the image from Deuteronomy. So then um, he goes on to another vision. Um, but before we go on to another vision, we have to finish this one. When I was in this room and I saw all of these images all over the walls and everything, I also saw in there that it wasn't just that it was in a secret place and a few people did it, but the leaders were doing this. And there were 70 of the elders, the image of the 70 elders. These are the, the teachers, the people responsible for teaching Torah to the people. But here they were involved in this in this terrible, idolatrous act. And among them was Yahu, the son of Shafan. Now, I don't, we don't know if this is the same one, but in Jeremiah we learned of the Shafan family, which was actually a very good family. They were a very pious family, and they were very important in, in the story of Jeremiah. And I, I recommend that if you haven't studied Jeremiah with me, to please go back and do so. But he was there among them, Omdim Lifneim, standing in front of them. There was so one of, even this, it got so bad that even a member of the Shafan family was was leading them in this idolatrous service. Each one had his his incense um, device in his hand, and the thick cloud of, of, of smoke uh, were, were going up towards the heavens from that room. Um, so God is showing him how deep the corruption had gotten. We're going to see soon. I'm not going to give it away yet. So all of this idolatry is awful and horrible and sinful. We're going to see soon what really is the problem with idolatry. And this we have seen repeatedly throughout the prophets. What is it that makes it so bad? It is more than just a terrible, terrible theological mistake and an affront to God and, 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 uh, and, a, and a superstition. It leads to terrible immorality, and, and we will see soon what kind of immorality that leads to. I'm going to leave that out for a second because we're going to get there. Ezekiel himself is giving us, uh, leaving that for the end, so I will too. Vayomer Eli, and then God said to me, Haro ben Adam, do you see human being? That which these, these Ziknei Beis Yisrael, the elders of Israel, are doing in the dark. In other words, they're doing this in the hidden way. This is the room you had to scratch through the wall to see. Each person in his own 
uh, private room which is covered with all of these images, Kiomrim, they say, they think that God does not see us. This is a huge theological mistake. They're thinking God is in his temple. As long as we bring him his, his sacrifices, he's fine. God has left the land. He doesn't watch us. He doesn't care about us. We can do whatever we want as long as we're in private. This is such, such a terrible, terrible mistake to think that God is not interested in the things that we do in our own homes, in our own private lives. It's an attitude which is against everything the Torah stands for. If we remember, we should look back at Isaiah uh, 29, where he similarly criticized the same thing. Hoi hama amikim, this is 29 verse 15, woe is to those um, uh, that are... Um, uh, um, I'm sorry... I just lost the place for a second. Those that 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 hide themselves from God, last year saw to to think that they can keep their ideas from God. And they do their actions in the dark. And they say, "Miro no one sees us. Miro no one knows what we're doing." That was a verse in Isaiah. There's uh, various other verses we can refer back to, but I just chose. Isaiah, a different prophet who said the same idea. The mistake that people make, they think that what they do in private, God doesn't care about. Then God said to me, This You saw two visions, but I'm going to show you even more. Even bigger abominations that they're doing. And he brought me to He brought me closer into the inner sanctum. The opening to the Eichal, the opening to the the Kodesh Asher Altsofono, which is in the north, Vihine Sham Hanashim Yoshavos, and there were women there, Mivakoses Hatamuz, that were crying over the Tamuz. Tamuz is is um, is the Hebrew name for the Sumerian god Dumuzi, and they, we know from uh, uh, historical texts that. There was, a, there was a significant practice among large parts of the Middle East at the time in the worship of Dumuzi, and, and it, it was mostly done by women, and it included the crying for this god Dumuzi, um, who had uh, apparently, this, there was all sense of legends how he descended to hell, and they would cry and do all kinds of things. But the bottom line is he's saying that it, it had permeated the entire the entire um, culture to the extent that the leaders and the women had their own thing that they did in the Beit HaMikdash where they did these, these pagan rites in the middle of the temple itself. And then he said to me, Do you see this person, a human being? I'm going to show you even more. I'm going to show you the fourth vision, even more terrible abominations. And what did he show him? Verse 16, by And he brought me to the, um, to the uh, courtyard of the temple. is the inner courtyard. And behold, I was there at the doorway to the inner um, not the innermost, but the inner part, the Kodesh of God, which was between the the um, uh, portico, the uh, Ulam, uh, and the Mizbeach, and the altar. It was like 25 men. They turned their backs on the temple of God, but their faces were facing eastward. Towards the sun, their bank to the sun. Not only did they worship, but in the temple itself, they turned their backs on the temple of God. 
and turned towards the sun instead. Now this, of course, evokes, if we go back to the chapter in Deuteronomy that we were reading, we deliberately, he's deliberately referring back to what happened there. As the verses continue, I'm going to pick up where I just left off. In verse 19, and lest you may raise your eyes towards the heaven, and you'll see the sun, and the moon and the stars, and you will... Um, Go astray, and you will bow to the sons of Avatam, and you will worship them, and so on. Um, so, so these are uh, these are the um, images which Yechezkel is taking directly from Devarim in chronological order, exactly as they were listed in Devarim. And he says, and now we're going to the Beit Hamikdash, and we're seeing exactly what I warned you against many years ago. You should not do. And then God said to me, Do you see this human being? Is it, is it not enough? Is it nothing for the house of Judah to do the terrible things that they decided to do here? And here's the key. What happens when people do this? God, God is saying here, is it, do I really care that much specifically about idol worship per se? Well, of course he cares about idol worship because it's wrong. But what is wrong with idol worship? It fills the land with Hamas. Hamas, as we know, and we've seen this all over the place, we've seen this in, with the destruction of the people before the flood of Noah, we've seen this all over the place, we've seen this throughout the, the, the words of the prophets, that when people descend into idol worship, when people descend into this philosophy and idea that all God wants is for us to give Him things, sacrifices, rituals, and then they do those for all of these idols, what happens is people do not treat each other with respect. And one Hamas refers to one person taking advantage of another by using his either his wealth or his political standing or his physical strength and using it to take advantage of others. That is what is Hamas. Why? So what is the problem? Ki they have filled my land with Hamas. What God is saying is that I would have tolerated it if it was just my honor, if it was just worshiping gods. That would have been bad and terrible and awful, but that wouldn't have brought about this awful destruction. But what happens when people go that direction is Mala'u es ha'aretz Hamas. And then they come back to make me angry. And when they do this, Literally, that means they stick their the sticks into their noses, which means that which they do. The noses is the is the symbol of taking in a beautiful scent, some reach nichoach a beautiful scent. When God likes what we do, it's the images of a great scent to God. But sticking a stick in God's nose is the opposite of the good scent to God. Vagamani, and if you're going to treat people with Hamas, if you're going to act to each other in such a way of taking advantage of each other, so I am going to do the same thing. You think you're going to take advantage of your power and your greatness to take advantage of people that are less fortunate than you? Well, who's the most powerful in the world? Obviously God, Vigan. So therefore I am going to turn with you with anger. And when God expresses his anger, his power is endless. Los ajos I will not have any any pity or compassion, and um, even though when I start punishing, they might start calling out and crying to me, I will not listen to them because of what they did. Now, remember, he was. this is the end of the chapter, but I try when I can to 
and since this is such an unpleasant thing to read, remember that in Deuteronomy 4, in the chapter that he was evoking, the people would have also known that, um, that God made the same promise, right? That if you don't behave, you will get punished. But if you do, right? Um, uh, uh, it, it will end. It, it, there, there is, there is a way out. The, the, the chapter continues. When you're having trouble, and because of all the things that happened to you, in the end, you will return to God, and you will begin to listen to Him. Because God is is a God of mercy, and ultimately. There will, there will be a chance to return. Thank you so much for studying chapter 8 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 9 and of course the rest of the book of Ezekiel.